the second episode of Heading West, where we bring you to the frontier of capital markets and Web3. In today's episode, we have a very pleasurable guest. His name is Adam Miller, and he's the CEO and founder of MyDAO. What's up? How's it going, Hunter? Doing well, Adam. How are you? Good. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome to be here. Yeah, no, thank you again for making the time, Adam. I appreciate it. I'm sure the listeners are going to be very excited today as we're going to be focusing on DAOs. So um, to kind of kick it off, I'd love to hear what kind of intrigued you about Web3 and crypto and kind of when did you enter the space? It actually started a long time ago for me. In 2012, I came across uh, Bitcoin when I heard about the Silk Road. And in case anyone doesn't know, the Silk Road was this like black online black market and the dark web. And what intrigued me was how hard it was to find and transact on. Like at first there was like figuring out the dark web and finding the Silk Road, which was hard in and of itself. I mean, if you imagine they're hiding from police, right? Like, so how, how do they make it so that someone can find it, but the police can't find it? Um, and then the second thing was once you were on it, you had to have this thing called Bitcoin to be able to transact on it. And so I had to figure out how to get Bitcoin at a time when there were no exchanges, right? There was nowhere you could, you could use a bank account to get Bitcoin. You had to go in these IRC chat rooms that were like hyper secure, like cryptographic. You had to prove that you really owned your username and that you were trustworthy. And then you'd send someone money to the other side of the world and they would send you Bitcoin back if you were lucky. Um, and uh, the systems that developed around that so that you could trust someone on the other side of the world were really interesting. So I got into it a little bit then, but then honestly, I, I kind of lost interest. You know, I was like, okay, well, that's cool, but not much else there. And then it wasn't until uh, like 2019, 2020 with everything happening with Ethereum and dApps and um, eventually NFTs coming on online um, that uh, I really saw the light and, and I realized, oh my God, like this is going to change everything. And so uh, it was really just a couple of years ago that I, I really started going down the rabbit hole and, and really devoting all my free time and then eventually all of my professional and free time to what's happening in crypto. That's killer. No, that's a great story. It's so interesting, the Silk Road. And, um, you know, the OGs know about the Silk Road and the people that do not. It's super interesting. I would suggest a good little uh, Google dive. But um, so kind of what intrigued you about the DAO space? Because I'm curious, you know, there's a lot of different sectors within crypto. What kind of gravitated you toward the DAO space and how has that been overall? Yeah, for sure. So once I decided I was going to devote my life to crypto a couple of years ago, um, <laughs> I, I, made, I, I made a plan that I was going to learn every, about every element of crypto, Web3, blockchain, everything. Um, I took classes. I practiced like building some Solidity contracts. I learned some other languages. Um, I uh, played around with DeFi, with NFTs. Um, I explored like everything there was to explore about Web3, networking, attended some events. So I, I really, I learned everything. And my plan was to then decide where the best opportunity was for me. Um, so after about a year of learning, researching, experimenting, et cetera, um, I decided that DAOs were both where the greatest opportunity was in crypto, in my view, but also um, DAOs were what best aligned with my interests uh, as an individual, which are around the intersection of people, technology, and business. I mean, I've always been so passionate about those three things, but aside from just 
tech entrepreneurship in general, which is what I've generally always done, you know, I, I had never found something that so meaningfully combined those three things into one endeavor that required you to understand all three of those things and be able to work at the intersection of them. So again, it's people, uh, technology and business. And so that's what I found in DAOs. And so that's why I decided, and I literally, I would list, like, here are all the things happening in Web3 and crypto, you know, and then decide like, okay, which one do I want to go into? And, and the answer was DAOs. No, that's incredible. That's a great, you know, great way to kind of find what sector to dive, to dive into for anyone listening. Um, and then how would you kind of describe MyDAO for anyone listening at a very, you know, basic generic level? Yeah, sounds good. So my company, MyDAO, it's M-I-D-A-O dot org, if anyone wants to find it. Um, So uh, the story actually starts uh, several months ago. At the time, I was doing uh, DAO consulting, so helping people launch and operate DAOs. And um, uh, one of the DAOs that I was helping was a a friend of mine's DAO for a company called Clipper Exchange. I shouldn't say a company. It's a protocol called Clipper Exchange, which is the best DEX for trades under $50,000. And they wanted to give their DEX to the community through a DAO. Um, And they looked around and I looked around with them and we saw that there were no legal entity options that made sense. So like it just to us, it seemed obvious. You start a DAO, you're going to want to form some kind of like LLC or corporation or something so that, you know, I mean, that's what any startup company would do, right? It's one of the first things you do (laughs) when you're starting a company is you say, like, what state should we choose? What country? What type of legal entity? And there were none out there for DAOs. And uh, we had some relationships in the Marshall Islands, uh, which is a country in the South Pacific that is very closely allied and partnered with the United States, but is a sovereign nation. Um, we had relationships there from working on the Solve cryptocurrency project back in 2017, which didn't end up getting off the ground. Um, but through that experience, we learned that the Marshall Islands is one of the most popular places for shipping companies to register. So they had become this hub of like a certain type of company registering their legal entities. And we thought, you know, maybe they'd be interested in adding another type of company to the list and also becoming the premier home uh, in the world for DAOs to create their legal entities. So that began a series of conversations that culminated with the passing of a law uh, earlier this year that created a new type of LLC, uh, a limited liability company that's made for DAOs so that DAOs don't have to make the compromises they would normally have to make if they were forming like a C corporation or an LLC in Delaware or a Swiss foundation or a Cayman Islands or BVI um, uh, a corporation or foundation. Um, so, you know, this new law uh, really allows DAOs to be DAOs and to form a legal entity. Um, my DAO is, was created as the registered agent for DAOs that want to create or people that want to create these DAO LLCs in the Marshall Islands. So we are the company that can set up these LLCs for DAOs. No, that's truly incredible. I love it, the company, because you guys definitely are. I mean, I haven't come across anyone else tackling the legal aspect in the DAO space like you guys have been. So it's truly incredible to see. And um, anyone that's looking, you know, to start a DAO, definitely would recommend going to mydao.org and getting in touch with Adam and his team. And then I'm also curious too, Adam, in regards to like the legal and compliance aspect, are do you, did you kind of come from a legal background or was that just in a gap in the market that you guys kind of wanted to tackle or kind of what was the thinking behind that aspect? It's a great question. Uh, I'm not a lawyer. I don't come from a legal background. I, I'm really, I really come from a tech entrepreneurship uh, background. 
um, one of our co-founders is a prominent lawyer. Um, so he's come up through the ranks of like huge financial services companies like BlackRock. He was their head of compliance um, for, for one of their lines of business. Um, and uh, uh, so we partnered uh, with him in creating this business. And then as we've gone along the journey, we've brought more lawyers onto the team. So it's a very lawyer heavy, legal heavy business. And we're actually always looking for more lawyers that are really interested in DAOs and Web3, whether that's so that we can make referrals to them when our clients are interested in uh, actual legal advice, um, or even to bring onto our team in some capacity because there's no shortage of legal related needs associated with running this business. No, super interesting. That's awesome. BlackRock, there we go. It's definitely a you know, solid name to have people on the team. And then for anyone listening, Adam is building. So it's definitely important to see someone building and a company building in kind of the bear market that we are in. So there yeah. we go. So I was curious also, you know, where do you kind of see the Dow market going over the years and how do you see it integrating kind of in like, I would say web two, more of like real world and how, to, how do you see it integrating over the years in web three? Yeah, well, and so, you know, also to your prior question about kind of what, like, why am I doing this, right? If I'm not a yeah. lawyer and, and, and the answer kind of flows into the answer to this it's question. Um, yeah, so my perception several months ago of what challenges DAOs were facing was that there were really, and there still are three major challenges that most DAOs seem to face. One is technology. Two is organizational or management. Three is legal. And uh, if we look first at the technology challenge, you know, that has to do with what tools are available that actually make it possible to run and operate a DAO. Because DAOs, um, and we haven't really talked about what a DAO is, but let, let's say a DAO, is, if, as simply as possible, is an organization that uses the blockchain for some of its governance and membership tracking rather than doing those things on paper. Right. And there's a whole spectrum, uh, you know, in terms of how to what extent mm -hmm. DAOs are doing that. And there's even other ways of thinking about definitions. But let's look at it that way for a second. And, you know, to be able to do that, you need, of course, there to be uh, capable blockchains uh, and scaling solutions in the sense that those blockchains have to be highly performant um, and relatively inexpensive. And so it's only been the last year or two that we went from, you know, maybe just Ethereum and Ethereum being very expensive and kind of slow to both Ethereum getting uh, much faster and cheaper um, and uh, also now scaling through layer two scaling solutions. And of course, other blockchains coming onto the market as well, launching smart contract functionality, you know, fairly recently in a lot of cases for these other blockchains. So I would say like the protocol layer, the blockchain layer is ready, right? These blockchains are capable, they're scalable, they're not too expensive. They're ready for DAOs to be DAOs. Um, the next layer mm -hmm. above that is the smart contracts. So like the backend infrastructure that makes it possible for a DAO to do all the things it needs to do in terms of governance and membership tracking. So, you know, being able to decide who a member is and distribute or buy and sell that member, those membership rights or those governance rights um, through something like utility tokens and then the ability for the DAOs to have votes uh, about different things or otherwise make decisions however they want to make decisions and then have those decisions be executed in some way in terms of actions that are taken on the blockchain. And that layer is, I would say, uh, about half ready. Um, and when I say half ready, what I mean is there are really good solutions out there for uh, running a DAO, but they're all very opinionated. 
And what I mean by that is that they've had to make some very specific decisions about how a DAO should run. So like if you're building those smart contracts, you have to decide while you're building it, you know, does a DAO work by um, some kind of like ERC-20 token that represents membership and ownership rights? And is it one token, one vote? Or is it one member, one vote, one wallet, one vote? And when you do a vote, you know, what's the quorum and what's the what? How, how long are those proposals out for? And how do those proposals interact with each other? Right. And what actions can they take? So across the whole spectrum of, of like DAO capabilities, these tools have had to decide how a DAO should work so that they can build a tool. And the, so the fact is, if you're a DAO and, you know, you look out there on the market, there are maybe 10 options right now for how a DAO can function. And there's not nearly enough for like the full spectrum of how people like to run organizations. And so you have to choose one of these very opinionated platforms and there may not be one that's a good fit for you. Where we need to go with tooling is we need to go to a place where either there are way more opinionated options available or there are instead highly configurable, flexible tools available so that you can use their tool and then run your DAO however you want. So anyways, that, that's technology. And maybe I went into a little bit too much detail there, but. Um, no, it was great. It was great. I think it was super good for the audience and even myself on that aspect. I'm curious too, if you can kind of share your own description of like what a DAO is. I think that should be important. Should have touched on that maybe a little bit earlier, but um, for the audience. Yeah, that sounds good. So, so I do think that a technical definition of a DAO is an organization whose governing rules and membership can be tracked on the blockchain in smart contracts and with tokens instead of in written documents. And a key word there is that you can use the blockchain. And the reason that's a key word is if you look at the full spectrum of DAOs out there today, um, when it comes to both of those things, governance and membership tracking, DAOs are using the blockchain to varying uh, degrees. Uh, some DAOs really right now are just a Discord server with a community of people that's working on something together. And maybe they do voting in Discord with emojis, right? And, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. There's really, especially at the early stages, that's like, you know, the traditional startup, three people in a garage working on something together. Now you've got startup DAOs that are like 20 people spread out around the world in a Discord working on something together. Like that's, that's the DAO startup. And there's no reason to try to be extremely technical and complex about your governance and membership tracking when you're just 20 people in a Discord server. So that's a DAO too, if, if they think of themselves as a DAO. And, and a lot of them say they're on the path to decentralization. And, and I think that's a valid thing for a DAO to say is that they're moving towards really doing everything you know, on the blockchain with smart contracts, et cetera. Um, so that's, that's how I would define a DAO. No, that's a great definition. And uh, I'm curious to kind of going back to a few points that you uh, spoke on in regards to, you know, different layer ones and networks, what do you see as the most viable network to kind of build like a DAO on and your community on kind of currently with the market with what's out? So um, there is almost certainly not a lot of DAO tooling available anywhere except for Ethereum and Ethereum compatible chains. So that means like it. Ethereum itself, scaling solutions, whether that's side chains like Polygon, a proof of stake, or whether that's, you know, coming soon, things like Optimism. Um, 
and there are other chains uh, that I've seen some DAO, some of these DAO tools uh, also make their tool available on, like Gnosis Chain or Arbitrum. And these are also, I believe, Ethereum compatible chains, which means they don't have to modify their software a lot for them to work. So if you're in the mm -hmm. Ethereum ecosystem, there are probably 10 or 15 good like DAO platforms that really allow you to run your DAO on their smart contracts and their interfaces. Um, but then if you go to something like Solana, there is like one DAO tool. And again, it has, has to be very because right now, yeah, it's too hard to build something, you know, really configurable. It just hasn't been enough time and funding yet. Um, Cardano, there, there's none. Um, and, and I think it's, it's a similar story across most chains outside of Ethereum. Got it. No, that's super insightful, Adam. I appreciate it. And then let's just say I was incorporating a DAO or starting my own or for anyone listening that is or, in the, or is in the process, when would be the right time to kind of approach my DAO and kind of get everything incorporated? Is that in the beginning, kind of in the midst of the process? Yeah, so there are good reasons why a DAO should incorporate sooner rather than later. Um, whatever solution you choose, you know, that's right for your DAO. And um, there's a couple of reasons for that. The first is you want to have limited liability from the start. So, you know, limited liability is one of the main reasons why DAOs should incorporate. Without limited liability, which you get from forming a legal uh, business entity, the members of the DAO can be held liable for the actions of the other people in the DAO and the organization itself. So there are already DAOs where the people who are members of the DAO are being sued for something that happened with the DAO for millions of dollars. Um, you know, and if you look at the traditional business world, that you never sue the employees of a company for what you don't even sue the managers or the mm -hmm. CEO. You sue the company, and that's because they have a legal entity. That that's what you have to do. So, anyways, li limited liability is something DAOs need. And you want that from the start. If you're going to do a token drop, if you're going to raise money, if you're going to um, you know, start conducting business in some way, you want that liability shield from the beginning, not after you've already started doing things that might put you at risk. The second reason is there are tax implications when you create an entity that already has assets. So let's say you're part of a DAO and that DAO is going to do some kind of NFT drop or token drop to raise a million dollars in ETH. And you, let's say you don't have a legal entity yet. And you do a fund, you do that token drop, you raise a million dollars, a year goes by, um, ETH goes up to, you know, let's say a 10 X's, and now you have $10 million worth of ETH in the bank. And now you create your legal entity. Most tax jurisdictions, including the United States with the IRS, will treat that as if at the time you create the legal entity, the people of the DAO are giving that money to the legal entity at that time. And when you give $10 million that started out as a million dollars, you are responsible for capital gains taxes on that $10 million. Um, even though you, you felt like the DAO was already around a year ago and the DAO raised money, not you, but that's not how the, the, uh, it's seen from a tax perspective. So you should mm -hmm. definitely form your legal entity if you can before you start you know, raising money in any way for, for tax reasons. No, that's great. And definitely for anyone listening, you know, always go the compliance route. Um, you know, it's always safer, makes you, helps you sleep better at night. And then I'm curious too, Adam, kind of how do you see the market shifting between DAOs and NFTs? Because I know that they're kind of becoming more integrated. And do you see that, you know, kind of helping the DAO um, environment and space just because I feel like currently the NFT market is quite a bit bigger than the DAO space right now. And do you see that kind of bringing some solid exposure over to the DAO? Um, environment. 
Yeah, you know, one of the really interesting thing about NFTs is um, that they can be used as the way of tracking who is a member of a DAO. And so anytime mm -hmm. you have a situation where let's say there are 10,000 people who all each holding one PFP or you know, profile picture style NFT or whatever the NFT project is. Um, and then let's say it's a really cool project. It's really exciting. Six months go by and the people in that community, maybe they were already in a discord together, right? Chatting about the, the NFT and why they love it and why they love each other or whatever it is. Um, and then those people want to organize themselves and they want to maybe uh, have some shared like treasury they can control or make some decisions together. It's very, very easy for them to start a DAO for that NFT project and, and do whatever they want with that DAO. Um, so what NFT projects should think about from the start is, well, if we're basically creating the infrastructure for people to very easily start a DAO around this project, maybe we should start the DAO now instead of waiting for the community to start the DAO themselves. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like what happened with the OpenSea, um, which is, you know, one of the leading NFT marketplaces. Uh, people were encouraging them for a long time. Hey, why don't you guys start a DAO? Why don't you start a DAO? You know, give the community more power. Give give the community a voice. You, know, you guys are act like such a Web two company. All this stuff, and um, they didn't do it. So LooksRare came along and said, you know what? We're going to do an airdrop. Everyone who's ever used OpenSea a meaningful amount. I remember before, this. <laughs> we're going to give them LooksRare tokens. And then all of the, those token holders are part of the looks rare DAO, and we're going to go create a competitive NFT marketplace together. And they called it a vampire attack um, because you're kind of like taking advantage of the fact that all this information is public. So, I mean, that, that's 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 the first thing is that, I mean, NFT projects, it makes sense to have a DAO because you have a community of people, they have a shared interest, maybe they're going to want to do it something does. together. But also, if you don't do it for them, it's very easy for them to do it themselves later. Um, so, so absolutely, like DAOs are going to be, DAOs are big for NFT projects. Um, I think they'll be even bigger in the long run. Um, and uh, that, that's probably the main way that NFTs and DAOs interact is, is that, you know, any NFT project um, can, can easily have a DAO. Maybe the other thing is that, I mean, NFTs can also be not related to art or any other like project. NFTs can simply represent membership or ownership of, in a DAO. Yeah. Right. So mm -hmm. like I could create a DAO. It's like the Hunter Adam podcast DAO. Right. And I <laughs> there we create, go. Yeah. I can create a thousand NFTs or 10,000 or maybe an unlimited number of mm -hmm. NFTs. And, and basically it's one NFT, one vote. Right. So we can give maybe we each get 10 and all the listeners get one and whatever else. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, that's all that NFT does is it represents membership in our DAO. Maybe it gives the holders some right to like future like advertising fees um maybe not that's up to us but um you know i think you know a lot of people think of DAOs as always being controlled by fungible tokens so there's like normal erc20s where there's 10 million tokens and you know however many you have is how many votes you get but nfts actually you know can be more effective because often in organizations you, you don't necessarily think of governance as something that's like tradable it's something that you want to give out very carefully. And maybe most people get one NFT because you want one person, one vote. And maybe there's mm -hmm. a situation where you want someone to have twice as much power or 10 times as much power, as opposed to just a, a purely fungible amount of, of power. No, that that's, it's so true. It's very interesting how the space is evolving and a great example with the looks rare, actually love looks used to be on OpenSea, now on looks too. Plus it's great how you can actually 
post your um, NFTs on their homepage. I mean, you have to have a decent collection, but um, you, you get paid in looks and ERC20, I wrapped ETH, I believe too, which is truly great, truly incredible to make money from uh, posting your NFT. But um, this video has been awesome, Adam. I appreciate you coming on to Heading West. Um, for anyone listening, I definitely want you guys to head over to my doubt, check them out. They're doing some incredible things in this space. And also, Adam, if you'd like to plug yourself with your new podcast, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So search for Just Doubt It. Um, that's the new podcast for people starting doubts. Um, we really go deep into uh, advice from people who have started DAOs before, people who are leaders or major contributors in DAOs. What are some of the common pitfalls they ran into, challenges they face, advice for people starting DAOs. And we also cover all the DAO news each week. Um, so yeah, check it out. It's Just DAO It uh, on any major podcast platform. There we go, everyone. Head over there, check it out. Once again, thanks for tuning in to the second video of Heading West. We will see you guys in the next one.